Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Supported by thegeldedend.com. To browse and buy vintage lead shirts, player-signed prints, and classic memorabilia, Go to thegeldedend.com. The Square Ball. By the fans, for the fans, since 1989. To buy the magazine, read the blog, and to download the podcast, visit thesquareball.net. Saturday afternoons always start so well. Turning up bright-eyed at the ground for some exciting football. We don't know what went wrong this time, but we were still there at 7 o'clock. With Austin broken, Leeds still conceding, and our pockets full of fake tenors. What happened to us? Welcome to the Square Ball Podcast number 56. I'm pleased to introduce Michael. Hello. Moscow White. Hello. And Oddy 2. Hello. Oddy 1's not here. <laughs> Oddy 2 is a replacement. Uh, how have sales gone for issue 3 of The Vile Animal? Um, they've gone reasonably well. Not helped by our increasingly poor attendances, I will add. So I'm gonna not add. ours. The, not uh, ours. Because <laughs> we were there. Yeah, my attendance has, has remained. Um, but generally speaking, you may have noticed there's not that many people. At Ellen Road anymore on a match day. <laughs> if you haven't yet got your hands on issue three of the Square Ball, uh, sorry, the Vile Animal, then make sure you grab that uh, as soon as you can. You can get it online at thesquareball.net. But fear not, if you've missed issue three, issue four will be available against Palace on Saturday the 24th. I wouldn't imagine there'll be a, a problem in regards to supply and demand if we carry on in current form. We should stress you don't have to go to the game to buy the Square Ball. You can just buy the square ball and sack the football off. Do as, yeah. do as one man did this week and uh, come and pass off some forged £10 notes, as he did. <laughs> by <laughs> by <laughs> various magazines from various sellers with dodgy £10 notes. Yeah, if you, if you do. Bastard. Have, uh, God bless the man, though, who um, was buying a square ball after him. And as I was just filing this, this £10 note away and, and noticed, I said, he just give me a dodgy tenner. And he went, who has? And I, the guy who just bought one and he went... Right, I went running off after him. So um, I don't. He never came back either. So for all I know, he, he's beaten this fella to death and well, is now laying well, low. The last podcast we did, we did endorse vigilanteism. So yeah. it's good to see yeah. people taking the law into their own hands. And you should have a reward if you are that have a go hero. Come to Michael at the next game. We've got a ten for you. Thank you. There we go. Uh, right, let's do uh, part one. And our challenge in this is to get through it without bursting into tears and remember that for example there may be people out there jogging while listening to this so if you're out jogging and you happen to see a bridge train line underneath something like that don't jump off stay with us it will get better white watching won't (laughs) white watching brighton and hove albion two leads two burnley one leads nil we'll we'll come on to the third one and game three which we won't mention just yet okay Mm. uh the friday night on the tv against brighton these were the hot, salty tears of Gustavo Poye. Never he mind Leeds happy, fans he crying. Wasn't happy, was he? I don't know what we did wrong. We did rob his team, but yeah, shit happens. We Deal did. with it. <laughs> it's quite good at this point. We're managing to just following on from Dave Jones, just leaving opposition managers in floods of tears, just waving their fists as the coach goes back up the M1. It was very much um, a sort of Darren Ferguson uh, last year, kind of a, a bottom lip quivering, bottom lip quivering. It's not fair. The referee didn't... Uh, it wasn't... He should have... It, 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 Michael Brown! Duh. I believe you wanted to read the actual quote, Dan. Yes, I will I will do that in my best... Um, Gus your, your most offensive accent. My most, <laughs> my most racist voice possible. Speaking of Neil Warnock, he's in the list of hypocrites now, Neil, unfortunately. He went to the other side. Hypocrite. Is that quite good? It's like having him in the room. Either him or Raymond Nunes, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> How did, how did uh, Brighton's other Spanish-speaking star, uh, Vincente, feel about it? He was not happy. <laughs> I am very unhappy. I am from Barcelona. I do not understand. If you are from Barcelona or, or any other Latin or country... Or listening to this, we apologise. Yeah, we're really, really sorry. 
Craig Mikhail Smith, you can kind of see why uh, Colin wanted to buy him in the summer, can't you? Because he ran us ragged a bit. Well, you can't always guarantee that you'd be up against a defence as frightened of him as ours was. If we signed him, he'd love training, wouldn't he? Probably. I'm quite. I'm glad. Uh, I'm glad he didn't get that hat trick because he, he was in full. I'm getting a hat trick mode, and to have that stolen away from him made made my uh, warmed my cockles. We were shite, though, weren't we? Yeah. Let's, let's face. Much, let's yeah. face up to that. Um, initially, I think we're going to come on to that quite a bit more over it, the next it might two be a, games. Yeah. A theme that runs through this section of the podcast. But we had no ideas, did we? Effectively, I watched watched the game thinking we're not going to score and then somehow we did twice but we didn't at any point actually create any real chances we just kind of the nabbed a couple of goals falling back on the rash rash sort of game plan it even wasn't that. even like that it wasn't even particularly high intensity we just let them have the ball a lot and then somehow we scored twice how did we score dodgy pen deflected shot yeah, oh of course yeah because yeah. see that's it. even just the goals seem to just pass me by a little bit in this one it's just seen they seem so undeserved. I could barely sort of process what was happening. It's one of those kind of uh, well, we got away with that kind of games, wasn't it? Which is they, these, that which is a fine sort of game to have as a, as a, a one in every five or six. You think we've maybe got something out of that we didn't deserve. Coming in the middle of a patch of dreadful form, it's just a, a fluky point and nothing more. I managed to watch this game on my phone. You can do that nowadays, my What? <laughs> he thinks but- he was. He was playing snake. <laughs> I lost signal about halfway through the second half, so I missed um, our equaliser, the penalty save. Managed to get a signal with about five minutes injury time to go. You didn't miss much. Not really. You didn't really miss much. Uh, The question on everyone else's lips, um, how was your three-way travel lodge experience in Brighton? Um, I actually didn't end up going to Brighton. Sadly, I had to work, so I watched it on TV. The travel lodge, well, they they may have found a third man. I've not had an update from it. Someone to complete the triangle. Quite possibly. The human centipede, or whatever, <laughs> whatever they were constructing in there. <laughs> well, on to Burnley then. Uh, Charlie Austin, he scores a lot of goals. We concede quite a lot. No one saw this coming then. Oh, you, you, <laughs> you were trying desperately to convince us all to go, and uh, thankfully we all... It, it, was, was, it was going to be a square ball night out. All the lads. The lads. All the lads to Burnley, eh? Yeah. We had some enthusiasm for it about six weeks before the game. And you um, cleverly disguised your uh, disgust at Leeds United by saying you were busy, so didn't go. Had a lot on. I was working. Yeah, things to do. Can't go to Burnley at the drop of a pat with six weeks notice. (laughs) (laughs) How was it, Oddie, then? Did you you enjoy it? Piss poor. Uh, I ended up going with a Burnley fan as well, who was actually sat in the Leeds end. (laughs) Nothing, no ideas, just... Although I know a um, friend of the show, Sean Deitch, seemed to think we played well early on. Yeah, I'd, I would I, definitely... I beg to differ. I'd be interested to find out what his comments on the game. Yeah. Well, let's, we'll get to that in a moment. Yeah, I mean, sure, yeah. uh, Again, we kind of offered nothing going forward. We did on the pretty, radio because... Uh, pretty weak. Tom Kerwin just kept saying it's a chance for Austin and not making it clear which Austin he was talking about. <laughs> so it sounded no. like Rudy was having a great game up front for Leeds. No, but deep, deep, down, deep down we knew. Anytime he has the ball in their half. Yeah. liable to have a shot so <laughs> if, if you count yeah. those as chances the narrative Warnock seemed to be putting out about this was that we'd actually played quite well but anyone who saw it or listened to it on the radio said we were utter shit yeah he did come in for quite a bit of abuse as well mainly from where we were sat um, from you do from you mean? my particular seat or not a seat because there were um, I think they saved the chance of throwing seats on the pitch by taking the seats out <laughs> so just the wooden blocks there for the back of the seats that's good so safe, safe, stand, safe standing. That's right. Yeah. 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 It was funny because uh, although he came out sort of saying it wasn't as bad as it seemed, he then the next day was like, right, throwing the plan out the window, we're going to it's time to go gung-ho. I'm going to sign a striker on loan and we're going to have some exciting new tactics. We're just going to throw caution to the wind. Enough of this drawing 2-2, losing 1-0 business. Plenty of goals. Yeah. Yes. We need to see. Out. Seven goals Saturday. He had to. On uh, the back of 10 goal Tuesday. <laughs> There was another bizarre incident as well when um, their winger, there was a loose ball going down the wing, winger fancied it, our Austin fancied it, our Austin won it, took the ball and the man, classic tackle, player up in the air, landed just off the touchline, backside off the pitch, ankles just on the pitch, started rolling around in agony, ref stops play, physio on, his ankles were just on the touchline. He must have stopped play for about four or five minutes. 
Yeah. Just roll him off. <laughs> just yeah. get him off the pitch. You can't play football with a, an, a spare ankle on the pitch. Do you remember no. when we did that? I can't remember. Was it Gary McAllister and Strachan, possibly? Or maybe it was when Strachan was at Coventry. We moved a player off the pitch. Yes. And yes. He, caused, yes. It might he just been, kind of went and lifted him yeah. off. It might have been when Strachan had already gone to Coventry, actually. And he was coach or manager there, and it upset him because we just took it upon ourselves to just move an injured player out of the way. <laughs> Again, vigilanteism. Yes. We endorse it. Um, I'd love to know Sean Deitch's thoughts about this game. What do you think? He had a lot to say. He had a lot to say about the match because he's, he he's still trying to win over the uh, <laughs> still trying to win over the Burnley supporters in that that part of the world. I uh, I've not regretted every chance to see the game, but that's not always the way. You have to earn the right, and I thought we did that game tonight. Leeds are a good side, and he always has his teams organised. In the second half, they got the upper hand for twenty minutes and pressed us back. But it's very difficult in the Championship to dominate a whole match and play for him. Flowing football every game. So I'm delighted with how we dealt with that pressure. You need that winning mentality and resilience to win when things are not going quite your way. That was shown in the London. And I said to lads at half time, they did the basics well. We win the game with our quality and their goal was absolutely top draw. It was a great game for the fans and everyone connected with the club. But I must say, and he's not down, um, he's not now down on it. That doesn't make sense. I don't know why I've said that. <laughs> but there's another great result. But there is more work to be done and more development with this team. I don't get too high when the wins are too low and the defeats. But there are things tonight that I'm not quite looking at. That's not quite how I want it. But the general character and belief in the team to win a game like this was really, really fantastic. I really oh, picture this. <laughs> Warnock out at the end of the season. Oh. Sean Darch in. I'd oh. take it now. Yeah. <laughs> Tears. Tears are flowing in this studio and that's not just the football. Some of the stuff he says, it, it, well, I don't think it was me fucking it up. Some of it actually doesn't make quite make sense. That's fine. But anyway, I don't think anyone was probably listening to the content. <laughs> he seemed not particularly happy to have won, was the gist of it. He's trying to keep his new team on the toes, isn't he? Trying to, you know, no complacency, which is quite right considering should basically... should just whisper in their ears, play better. <laughs> <laughs> well, he, the only one he doesn't have to tell to play better is Charlie Austin. Because, mm. I mean, script was written in advance. That's what's so galling about that result. It's Charlie Austin won, Leeds United nil. Yeah. It's funny, on the way home as well, on, on the radio, there was a Burnley fan on one of the phone-ins. Um, the presenter asked him how much he thought Austin was worth. He said, about eight million. Really? Well, if Jordan Rhodes. Jordan Rhodes, I suppose. Yeah, true. Anyway, it's listen. Better than Jordan Rhodes. I would say that's quite conservative. I suppose Burnley fans, you can get a lot in Burnley for eight million. Yeah. Burnley, mainly. Burnley. You get the whole <laughs> Burnley, yeah. uh, right. We, unfortunately, we will have to deal with this game. Uh, Saturday, the 10th of November. Uh, there's no easy way to say this, but us won Watford six. I mean, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> that says everything. These results just wash over you now, don't they? Yeah. Sadly, yeah. Although, last few years, 7-3 yeah. and 5-0 last year. 6-4. Look, in retrospect, I'm quite disappointed I missed uh, the Preston 6-4 one. I saw Blackpool, saw Forest, seen this. The only one I've been really angry about was Forest, and that was mainly because of uh, uh, Danny Pugh's cameo where he came on and immediately gave away a goal. There was a focus of my anger. That's what, exactly what he did at Burnley. Yeah. <laughs> He's good at that. But this, there was really no focus for my anger, and so by the end, I was quite enjoying myself. Six, six goals, a game that looks like it will have no end. It's when the ten minutes sign went up, you just yeah, laughed, I'll yeah. take another ten minutes of this. <laughs> Three more goals. It's so bad, it's funny. Is it, I was yeah. thinking, is that the longest ever game at Ellen Road? It must be up there because there were five minutes in the, added in the first half of what is meant to be a normal ninety-minute game. Obviously, mm. not including extra time. I can't think I've ever seen ten. No, I've never seen double no. figures before. So that's quite exciting. Sort of a bit of history. Record-breaking. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Wow. Um, if we can possibly spin back to the start of this at three o'clock when there was a, a crumb of optimism, uh, we started at three-five-two. Collins gung-ho strategy for sending men wide and getting crosses in and scoring lots of goals. And it was bollocks. Yeah, and it, <coughs> and it ended up as a three-three-two. Well, never mind ending up as a 3-3-2. Even at 3-5-2, every time they ran forward, they looked like they were going to score to me. We looked absolutely clueless at the back. As soon as I spotted, um, they had one player who was quick. I remember saying, uh, saying to uh, Paul, uh-oh, they've got a fast player. We're buggered here. And, it was every, and every time they ran through, our three lads were just 
spinning round like tops, moving back towards their own goal. And it just, was it their first goal where they just danced straight through the middle? And you yeah. just think, what the... What are you well, doing? We were, we were claiming for offside on the... Or Peltier claimed for offside on the first ball through, and it wasn't. Green was to the left of him, who watched the other guy run past him, <laughs> and everybody shouted for offside, and he wasn't offside. But Green stopped and didn't track him, and then he took, went on... Just, well, square we, pegs, he, square pegs in round all. What the hell? He took the goal really, really well, to be honest. <laughs> we learned that as well that um, Peltier can't use both his arms and legs at the same point, because <laughs> as soon as his arm went up in the air, he, he completely failed to close the man down. He just, he just It was a bit like the... Um, Fabian Bartes one with the camera yeah. mm. where he just stood there with his arm in there going ref <laughs> whenever you're ready ref oh they've scored <laughs> what was Green doing playing in central defence right is that right half in old parlance Are they- I mean there's maybe yeah. An, yeah. an argument for Austin playing there but Green and if we haven't got if we've only got Pierce and Peltier who are actual fit viable centre backs why decide to play 3-5-2 it just and what are those viable centre backs? Is a full back. It's just desperation. It's just reached the stage where nothing's working. So is as you would maybe on Football Manager going. I'm just going to move all these people around. <laughs> Possibly if I, I've seen Barcelona, they put midfielders at the back. It works. It seems they seem to be quite successful. So Paul if Green. I put Paul yeah. Green. Tiki Taka. If I put Paul Green at centre back yeah, in the Mascherano role, and I'll have I'll have Sam Byram as a kind of Danny Alves. <laughs> Free roll thing. Attacking fullback. <laughs> and then we've got Juf as our kind of messy. It's, oh, oh, it's perfect. On paper. Exactly, but unfortunately we play on grass, don't we? As the old uh, as the old adage goes. I mean uh Pierce wasn't sending off. tackles, they're not on grass, they're in <laughs> Pierce's tackle, do you think it was a sending off? Obviously the club's appealed it. Uh, it's and been blast. rejected, three match ban. There was a, there was just a complete silence around the ground as the red card came out, which suggests to me that everyone thought he gets I away with a, a few. The, the attacker went flying up in the air. Mm. Well, we've kind of said, haven't we, for a few weeks now that um, Brown's been, been liable to. He's been teetering on a, on a red yeah. card, and it turned out it was Pierce. We mentioned yeah. Pierce's. Yeah, he's, he's liable to the odd um, desperation, reckless tackle. So yeah, deserves to go. And then, I mean, what what about the, the substitutes? I mean, this, I mean, as you say, we're saying though the formation there, it's just a total shit or bust move. Then to have all three subs used by forty five minutes, lo and behold, the inevitable injury. I mean, what absolute. So footballing suicide. Warnock's supposed to be, he's a manager. And so when you've got a situation like that, that's when the manager comes into play and he's supposed to manage the situation. I don't even know why he made the substitution before half time because it was practically half time when Pierce got sent mm. off. We had five minutes to get through. So if he was already thinking, I need to sort the tactics out, which he clearly was going to send them out in a different formation for the second half, why not then just hold that substitution back? We could have gone with nine men for five minutes and then start the second half afresh with ten where you want them, not just do this one substitution and then a couple more. And, I mean, Juve was playing crap. Was it White he took off as well? And they were both, like, deserved to be taken off, but you could have taken any of them off, so you might as well have left them on. But the thing is, he brought Brown on, who can't control midfield when it's 11 against 11. Yeah. He's not going to do it 11 against 10, certainly not 11 against 9. Uh, do you think... Is a, a little bit of a victim of the circumstance. Are we, are we in a position now where we can legitimately ask questions about Warnock's ability? Yeah, of course you can. Like, as you pointed out then, an obvious thing, when you're struggling for centre-backs, don't play more of them. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't pick a, a formation that involves finding more. Yeah, it's like having no wingers and deciding to play really wide midfield. <laughs> like, you hug the touchline brownie. <laughs> None of these players can cross. <laughs> Let's stick a big man through the middle and get the ball out wide. I mean, it's some bad luck with Austin's injury because especially for it to happen two minutes in, I think you've you've got to sort of look at the game and say, all right, the gypsies are back and they're they're pissing on the pitch. But still, you're supposed to be able to have a, a plan. And then why... The, just, I don't know how... <laughs> Sorry? I we, think that, that's probably the most articulate thing you could say about it. Admittedly, we were down to nine... But why not maybe play 4-3-1 and at least get out of there with a little bit of dignity? Instead. I almost think the nine men is a, it probably helps Warnock on this because yeah. it adds as a distraction because mm. this is a game we would have probably gone on to lose 3-1, something like that. Yeah. As it was, you can get, people go, oh, that's a bad score. Go, ah, 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 but we had it wasn't fair. Well, we did say, me and Moscow said this in the second half when we finally ventured back down to our seats in the East End. They're at 3-0 and they were crowing that 
it's the best game they've ever seen. 3-0 against nine men, really. And we were saying it's almost like a void game because you can't really class it as being a proper victory. <laughs> Watford fans are miserable, though. I doubt they'll have even been pleased. I remember being yeah. on the train back from the playoff final with a load of them. And they were just sat reading the program. Yeah, they didn't I mean, even they didn't even seem asked about being promoted. I can yeah. remember because we we moseyed over to the station in Cardiff um, and just basically sat there for about two hours until our special train came. But they were all on the other platform going you know back towards London. We were going back up north, and you could barely tell they'd just been promoted. If that was us, imagine mm. what we'd have been like. Yeah. I suppose uh, now when Premier League won't see as much of the Arsenal next season, <laughs> so they have to go watch watch Watford. Yeah. On to part two now, where we deal with the news. And just to tie up the loose ends of the Watford game, obviously, uh, Rudy Austin sustained that horrible injury in that game. First feared to be the double fracture. Turns out not to be because he's unbreakable. It's amazing. I love the fact that you're, the headline we've put on here is, is Rudy broken? And the answer is, no, he's fine. And as well, remember, this is a Leeds United six weeks. Yeah. True. Weeks, not months. Mm. It's, but, a, it's a cracked bone in the ankle, isn't it? Not a double fracture of the leg. But I mean, the way, I mean, the length of time it took to get him off and for Neil Warnock to be saying afterwards, about, oh, I, I can't discuss what a utter shambles I've just presided over and what a cock-up I've made of this game because too upset about Rodolph's mangled leg. And then it turns out it's cracked a bone. Have we got the surgeon from The Simpsons as the club doctor? <laughs> Hi everybody! <laughs> Hi everybody! I'm Doctor Nick. That's twice now. <laughs> We're never going to. The uh, Leeds United Brazil have started their own podcast. You know, <laughs> eating into our um, our listenership. So, um, Rudy Wise, obviously, please come back soon and please come back healthy. It, it, I just think there's something absolutely fantastic about him being stretched off, put straight into an ambulance with what everybody assumes is like he's going to be out for years, his legs in bits, and then he just, no. There were some very funny tweets on Saturday night about um, Austin's double leg fracture. Light training on Tuesday. Yeah, yeah. back for Sunday. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> very good indeed. All right, OK. Trialist transfers and speculation. Uh, we were promised a lone player before the weekend, but instead we didn't get it. We got uh, Chris Les Dawson on the bench, didn't we? Yeah. He was supposed to be a very hot prospect, I would yeah. like to add. Yeah, I don't know how much... I don't know if I just disbelieve everything that's happening, but there was that certain sense of, oh, we couldn't get an actual good loanee. But uh, we've got a youth prospect on the bench. Everybody gets excited about uh, 10 years from now. He'll be playing for Norwich. Yes. We loaned Um, a lad from the academy. It's been a case that it's Cameron Jerome was the name. Yeah. Warnock was far too giddy about Cameron Jerome, wasn't he? When he said, "I I would forsake all of us. I would leave my wife if I could get this player I'm looking at. Everyone... The way he spoke about him, you he thought... said if he could get him, he wouldn't have another player until January. He'd be happy with just him. Maybe that's because he'd only ever have a chance of getting one player. Um, is he any good, Cameron Jerome? He's a striker that doesn't score, isn't he? He's all right. He's prob- for the championship. He's probably you know. And at least we're now rapidly right. sort of merging our Portsmouth credentials with Stoke reserves yeah. by getting every Stoke player we can on loan or trying to anyway. But yeah, we couldn't get that one across the line. Yeah, because it would appear we have no bloody money. And we're crap, so why would he want to come? And Pulis didn't want to let him go, uh, so he didn't come. The only thing I hope in all in the conversations with Pulis is that at some point he might have said, uh, tell you what, Neil, uh, Michael Owen's not really taken off here. Do you want him? And, and Warnock went, nah, you're all right. I reckon Warnock and Pulis probably get on. Oh, yeah. He must yeah. do. Well, he's taken bloody Danny Pugh off him. He must you won't love him. him. You won't let him fanny around, will you, when they're on the loan? <laughs> get it in the mixer. A little bit of salacious gossip that I heard was that uh, a friend of the magazine, a guy who used to write for us, if you remember Route 66, Mm -hmm. which was the tour of all the non-league grounds, well, he bumped into, um, is it Stephen Ireland who's at Aston Villa? Yeah. His agent and said that Ireland was lined up to come to Ellen Road in January and Warnock has £10 million to spend in the January transfer window. Bollocks. (laughs) Yeah. Isn't Stephen Island integral to Aston Villa's first team at the moment? He's playing for Aston Villa. It does seem odd that we would have agreed to buy him. He is like the experienced linchpin that Delph and Bannon, I don't know if you've ever heard of them, are uh, are being sort of rotating around. Plus he's a prick, I'm not sure. The information is there, use it how you will. Okay. Um, Club has launched two new Twitter feeds. In, in official ones? Yes, official. And, And do you know what? It is brilliant, as we said last time, that it's brilliant to see them finally 
uh, doing things such as the email campaigns and now finally embracing social media. Mm-hmm. But I'm irritated slightly because both of these are directly about making money rather than engagement for engagement's sake. Although to be fair, we're not actually making any money off of commercial or tickets at the moment. <laughs> so there's that. I mean, I'm not we- criticising the intention. It's absolutely correct and I'm glad they're doing it. But it'd be nice to see... A Facebook page. Why doesn't uh, Lucas the Copcat have a Twitter feed before LUFC commercial and LUC tickets? That's who we want to see on Twitter, so we can see how he deals with reams of of abuse heading down on his head. Not just from me, although admittedly I will, I've warmed to the uh, to the to the character in recent years, a couple of years ago. You and Ellie the Elephant Man. I I I have a Ellie the Elephant badge with my name on uh, on my bedroom door, solitaped to my to that. So, uh, I don't la- even know if ladies, you're serious. <laughs> no, I am. I am serious. If any ladies that also are fans of Ellie the Elephant, it's on the outside. Would you like of to door, come see my see. elephant, ladies? <laughs> Fabulous <laughs> trunk. Fabulous trunk. <laughs> yeah, it's a start, isn't it? Well, no, we can't moan about its intention, but it, I'd like moan to about just to see, else. see them go the whole hog. Going back to Ken, I imagine LUFC when, pig when they're uh, when they're kind of coming up with these ideas, you know, they're in. Uh, meetings and stuff, and he's just tr- you know treating it like witchcraft. No, not having that. Tw- tweets and twats. You see him sticking his hand in the disc drive. There's no money coming out. <laughs> All this cash machine's rubbish. And finally, in this section, then we should give mention to Keith Ripley, uh, former United player who died on the fifth of November following a long battle with a rare neuromuscular disorder. He made seventy appearances as a wing half, whatever one of those is. Not quite sure. Hobby. Oddie? No, yeah, every time. Uh, for Leeds United between 1952 and 1958, scoring 15 goals for the club. Thank you for that, Mr Ripley. The Square Ball Podcast, supported by thegeldedend.com. On to part three of the podcast now. Um, and this section is called, Oh, It All Started So Well. The summer did start well. That is definitely, I would put this summer under the column of things that started well. Well, I woke up on my birthday to discover that we were being taken over. That was in May. Um, I thought, brilliant, what a present. Um, I look forward to all this money we're going to be spending across the summer, seeing a new Leeds United and a happy, positive future. Remember a new shirt, new start, all that as well? Warnock stomping around the dressing room. Inspirational stuff. <laughs> what a season it's going to be. Little did you know we're going to be end up being a player because we have no players left. <laughs> There's, um, if you look on 442's website this week, they've done a, a an interview with Michael Tong complaining about Neil Warnock kicking every ball. He's, he's, he's running on the pitch and getting in the way. It's pretty good. It's not obviously not true, but it could be true. Just the essence of humour. Indeed. So we put this one out to uh, social media, didn't we, for some ideas and came up with some ideas of our own. Uh, we've got some, some quite humorous responses, I, w- I would say. Our listeners are funny people. They're also bitter people. And I think um, things that started well and went crap. I think if we'd just been things that started well and carried on going well, I don't think we'd have got much response. I mean, following on from the previous section, what Ben Matchell means by Ellie the Elephant starting well. Oh, no, it must mean when um, Ellie version 2.0, when that came out, because Ellie the Elephant won when it was just Wellifant in a Leeds kit um, <laughs> and looked quite friendly. Nobody had a problem with it. But then when it came back... And had like shades on and was like all cool and it lost its the elephant had lost its sight. <laughs> it's not something you should really be making fun of. He, he, I don't remember him having shot a white, by a poacher in the face. A white, but people people hunt elephants for their uh, tusks, not for their eyes. Who the hell? Who the hell's selling elephants' eyeballs? Although if you have Ken. got, I bet Ken's got ashtrays made of elephants. If you. If you have all got, over his uh, house, he's got an, a big uh, ivory toothpick. I was gonna, if you, if <laughs> you, Eat it, Susanna. Have you seen the um, the photograph? That I think you you remember the museum that we're we're having for the start of this season. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, when they were sorting stuff out from the south stand for that, there was a picture of just um, Ellie's head on, lying on top of a lot of uh, assorted like old lead, unsold programs and old shirts, and then just in the middle of it all, Ellie the elephant's head, vacant eyes. No, it's the sunglasses. No so eyes, hollowed to... out. <laughs> yeah. If you have got Ellie the Elephant's eyes, I will make you an offer. Maybe they are in Lucas the Copcat. What? We send this thing out to play with children. You can't just shove an elephant's eyes into a leopard's face and then send it out to play it's, with kids. It's science, people. It's science in action. Um, let's get back on topic. 
Uh, one thing I can say is that the Premier League, that all started so well because we were the champions of England and now look at us. Was us look at that season. Well, yeah. That's we won the true. Charity Shield at the start of that season. We were season. in the European Cup. It was all, that was... Uh, Someone scored a few goals in that uh, that match as well. Yeah. Yeah, Strachan, on goal it was, on oh, goal. Yeah. But the pinball good, one on the line. Yeah. <laughs> but a good photo of him uh, Eric showing... Con- I think he was, he was named Eric Contena then, wasn't he, when he played for us? But then as he moved to that set of twats over the hills, they, they got his real name right. Yeah, they made the effort. Yeah. Um, I've got a good photograph from that game of uh, Gordon Strachan showing Graham Souness a bruise on his arse. 50p a look, if you're interested. <laughs> Actually, I'll, I'll let you see it in return for uh, Ellie the Elephant's eyes. <laughs> Uh, Contenar, that was one thing that started well and went tits up. True. Whose tits, though? That's That was the question in the mm. Leeds United dressing room at well, the time. Well, it's not something we should speculate on. Speaking of tits, I think uh, Callum Bramley is, is alluding to this. Uh, Mad Mags's pitch invasion, which ultimately ended with her attempting to get it, her ban overturned by um, doing a topless shoot in the, uh, the Sunday sport. The sport, yeah, I think it was, yeah. Well, yeah. What else would it have been? <laughs> Wasn't it? It was in the Financial Times, I believe. <laughs> Quite a lot of people, and this is one I thought of immediately as well, Lamine Sacco. I remember my dad being on holiday and texted him the score. Oh, hey, you should see this new lad. Better than Kewell. Because I think everyone came back that season looking at all the loanies that we got off William Mackay and the fact that um, Peter Reid was monkeying around in the dugout and just thought, oh, this is going to be terrible. But then we saw Sacco. I was like, oh, no, actually, I mean... Uh, he's he's got to be on the verge of internationals in there. Um, who was the fullback that we had? The Cameroon. We had Domi. There was Domi. Um, was a French B international, Alembe. probably. Yes. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Solomon Solomon Lembe. Lembe. He's at Wigan, isn't he? No. He's, He's in his 80s. 50, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is like me and... Things to Google um, when we get home. Connor Salmon. Connor Salmon. Let's pause the podcast for one second. This is me and Andy Sinton all over again. Let's go check this. So tell us, Dan, how is he doing at Wigan now you've looked it up? Very well. We've just checked um, online and Wikipedia, font of all knowledge, tells us that he was actually at Wigan in 2007 to 2008, made eight appearances and... Just the five years between him being there and still being you there. Must, you must be thinking of the statue they've built of him outside the stadium following those eight appearances. Well, anyway, yeah, he went off to Turkey and then he went to Greece. Then he tried a low uh, trial sorry, at uh, Burnley but was substituted at half-time and has never been seen since. There you go, fact fans, I was deeply incorrect. Burnley does that to you, I think. Yeah. To go back to the point, yes, I uh, fully endorsed that because I thought oh, he's all right, he is, he's quite good. 
it looked like potentially we'd got a, a real load of rough diamonds. And it may it may be that we discovered a load of cheap players because we'd sort of done it before with George Graham when he got kind of Bruno Ribeiro and yeah. Molinar and those kind of players and you thought actually these are, these guys are quite good and it was a pleasant surprise. For every Ribeiro there was a Pierre Laurent. For every Lamine Sacco there was a Sarushapui and the Lamine Sacco ultimately. But <laughs> just thinking about the Peter Reid era that started quite well because he rescued us from the abyss but that had a sad inevitability about how it ended up didn't it yeah we should never have well i mean hindsight's a wonderful thing but it was peter fucking reed why did we give him the job just should have just given it straight to blackwell he had all the qualifications yeah the professor as well at that time that that started well too didn't it because he he came in and he was all uh i I don't know anything about football however i'm a final yeah and we're like oh god yeah that's what i need a lot of contacts in the far east who will uh Invest. Yes. No. He quickly sold his shares though as well, didn't he? Yes, Speaking of, of investors as well, Andrew Higgs um, chips in with Bates' first press conference, promises uh, fans owning the Ellen Road pitch, buying back Ellen Road and Thorpe Arch, safe from administration. And, do you remember the um, his crucial quote in all that as well, where he said, whatever happens, we'll have a Laura Laura laughs. Mm, yeah. Well, Adam Bowman's brought up a good one. Bowie and Woodgate's big night out. That started <laughs> off well. Yeah. Mm, went downhill. Well, down Mill Hill, fairly quickly. Very much so. Clever, clever play on words, I like that. Dave Mint with um, Jamie Forrester, that goal in the FA Youth Cup final, which made me assume we would dominate football for the next decade at least. <laughs> you do get that with young players when you see someone come in and you think they're brilliant. I seem to recall as well that um, my memory may be uh, misremembering this for me, but that was like the biggest attendance that season, wasn't it? Because it was when the, um, yeah. the East Stand was nearly complete. They'd done the bottom half of it and the Youth Cup final got, you know, 30-odd thousand. And it was the high point of... Uh, of a season that ended quite badly, really. We, we only, I mean, we weren't far off being relegated. No away wins, but at least we saw the kids. And it was live on Sky as well. I think that made a big difference as well. It was the well. future. Yeah, and all those players, there's only no Whelan really stayed in the uh, in the Premier League. Good. I, I, I would hesitate to, to, to uh, begrudge any of those players their solid lower league careers. I mean, Kevin Sharp, Wigan legend, uh, Jamie Forrester. Still there, isn't he? Yes, yeah, uh, his statue is next to Alembe's. <laughs> and um, Jamie Forrester went and scored a load of goals in Holland, and I think it was Northampton where he was absolutely brilliant. But not really what we were expecting, hoping for. I like Matthew Mulkeen's one, 15 points, who gives a fuck with Super Leeds and where. Oh. <laughs> that um, I saw that mentioned in here, but it, it, that was a sustained good season. We would have gone up as automatically promoted if it hadn't been for... Oh, the... That pesky Mulwini. Yeah, taking those 15 points away from us. We did bollocks it up, though, because to go from being minus 15 to top of the league at Christmas, I suppose to not promoted, every season, a fairly spectacular collapse. Every season during that era, especially when Grayson came in, all started well, topped by Christmas, cruising, and then uh, trailed off. Touches of the uh, O'Leary's about it. Well, yeah, there's uh, his, his whole... Era has been mentioned, hasn't it, by uh, the A. Mulhall on Twitter? How about the O'Leary years? Or Thomas Brolin? That's very true as well. Did he? Did he? Uh, he's, he's talking about Thomas Brolin as a human being because he never really started well at Leeds, did he? he? Just we just were willing to cut him some slack to begin with because he was new. You look back at his um, his debut goal for Leeds, that one where he uh, he stumbled into the ball, kicked it, and it hit a defender. And by the time it rebounded to him, he was lying on the floor and it hit his face and went in. <laughs> and there was that lovely, um, there was that, uh, I think it was a Swedish reporter who came and interviewed loads of fans in Leeds last year about their memories of Thomas Brolin. He, he was showing people that goal and then recreating the way that even though he had just fallen over the ball, had hit his face and gone in, he still got up and ran away doing his uh, trademark jump and spin celebration. I think there was a lot of that, though. oh, he just needed to get that one and now he'll be off. Now the ball's whacked him in the nut and gone in. He'll be absolutely, he'll be flying now. He's an incredibly big human being now, isn't he? He's a big dog. Yeah. Talking of which, Frank Strandley. Yes, he on his debut. Yeah, that was that season, wasn't it? The new Cantona. Just as a total aside, talking about fat blokes, I um, flicked onto Sky Sports News today and saw Neville Southall. Oh, he's oh uh, goodness me. He's been living well. He's been living really yeah. well. He's been living well, or is it just yeah. <laughs> everything? When I say living seas. well, I mean a very high calorie diet. Have yeah. you seen uh, Neil Shipley lately? Yes. Ex Chelsea and Crystal Palace. Neil Ship I was telling someone about Neil Shipley the other day, and as you put Neil Ship into Google, the predictive thing comes up with Neil Shipley fat. 
<laughs> Which is not what you want. If, as a, if I, I'd be quite upset if I put my name into. We kind of we skirted around um, Dolly there. It, we we were going to be everything at that point. If you're talking about starting well, um, I was at his first game and we did lose. Lost to Leicester. Uh, Tony Cotty inevitably scored, but then it was pretty much from the Liverpool game when he brought Smith on onwards. It was just. It was like yeah. it was a wave of positivity and youth and energy and Michael Brown was a mere baby in arms. He's probably good at that point. Yeah. Uh, retro references for you. Then we've got one from John Atkinson here who cites Peter Barnes a little bit before my time, but I'll we'll turn to you, Oddie. Um, thank you. When I first started going, Peter Barnes was a big million pound signing. He's going to be uh, the answer to Alan Clark's prayers. Do you explain to kids these days what a million pound signing is? Probably anyone who started mm. following us in the last five or six years probably won't know. And that's when a million pounds was a lot of money. John Lukic, million pounds. Gary McAllister, Two. million pounds. And then... Uh, Tony DiRigo, 1.3 million pounds. Rod Wallace, 1.6. Cheeseburgers were a penny then. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we had, and uh, we got Rod Wallace for 1.6. Ray Wallace for... 0.1? Yep. Yeah, brilliant. Gary Grieve has mentioned the 1969-70 season. My first full season as a Leeds United fan. Promised everything, delivered nothing. Set the tone for a lifetime. James Hughes mentions the Terry Venables uh, debut game. A nice 3-0 win. Nick Barnby putting in a good performance. Oh, he was good, he was. Wasn't it? it was yeah. against Man... It was Man against... Uh, was it Keegan's City mm. or was it Sven's City at it that Keegan's, point? Keegan's, I think. You forget, don't you, actually, in, in the face of everything that followed and the, and the fire sales and all the rest of it, that we actually paid like three million quid, didn't we, for Nick Barnby? Two points, mm. continuing the theme, I believe it was 2.75. Well, close enough, close <laughs> enough for, with agents' fees. I imagine Venable's got a cut of that as well. Can you prove it, though? Because <laughs> if we're broadcasting it, you better be able to prove it. All right, I'll just call him an orange <laughs> Okay, that's probably, that's probably better. Uh, the John Carver era, when we're talking about... Our I don't remember that starting well. It was 3-2 against yeah, Birmingham. it was a great it? game. It was a fantastic match. It was brilliant. I remember that. And then I think there were a couple of 4-0 defeats. Yeah. And 19 minutes worth of a good Luton. start. That's all. Mm. See, at least with Venables, there was actually signs of, of life in our rotting corpse, at, at least up until Christmas. Venables made a horrible mess of that team. It was not a bad side for the first few months of the season. Mm. I know it was kind of gradually sold. But even so, I kind of uh, I can never really look past with Venables, apart from the permatan, was when he you know he tried to put in the bloody Christmas tree or reverse Christmas tree or upside down whatever tactic he tried to employ. I'd reverse and, a Christmas tree into him, and he um, and he bemoaned the fact that the players didn't want to learn. Well, some of the stuff Don Matteo says kind of corroborates that that we had youth team players with youth style cars and wages. I can believe it. But then the flip side of that, and it's something else that started really well that, that ended badly, would be Olivier Decor, with whom there was absolutely no reason to have a an argument with our one brilliant classy midfielder who didn't seem to have any desire to leave. And he was brilliant. He, he was, was a wonderful really, player. Really good. And it ended on quite a sour note. And I don't know, I'm sure, I would hope if he came back he got a, a round of applause. If he turns out, if we get drawn against Wigan in the FA Cup and he's playing for them. The, he's still there. We give him a, a, the salute he deserves. But there was still, when he left and it was all that, oh, I'd drive him to Rome myself and all this stuff. It was distasteful. He was good and we liked him. And it was just that he didn't like Venables and so that was that. You've got it. I think from the players' point of view, they must have looked at him signing Paul Ocon and thought, this guy can teach me nothing about football. Well, but Jake Burns probably could have learned something. Well. <laughs> Jake Burns probably, oh no, my international teammate. <laughs> my accents, really? Do we want to go down this road? What, 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 did, what did he say back to him, Dan? I wasn't listening, sorry. And then Raul Bravo turned up. <laughs> <laughs> that was the club call headline, wasn't it? Real Madrid star to sign for United. Ring at 50p a minute. 0898 12 11 80. I heard a rumour that in the early 90s, um, Leeds United club call was run by scummers. Someone told me that last week, that there was this little cabal group of Man United fans were uh, running Leeds club call. And so that a lot of those headlines would actually have been to extract our 50p per minute quite deliberately. Which is sad because club call uh, was a business based in Leeds. Yeah. That leads on to mentions um, at Rui Marquez, who were being a great defender, then returning from the African Nations Cup, a dung beetle. <laughs> bit harsh. Makes a good point, does Lee? For a change. And to return to a theme that we've touched on earlier on in the podcast, uh, Zamoniak has highlighted the East Stand up at here, started so well and has now gone completely tits up. <laughs> you couldn't have an East Stand without an upper tier. 
Well, I don't think he means the existence of the whole tier. We actually, just... we actually could now. <laughs> yeah. There is no need for that upper tier. Mm. And if, if Ken was in it when it was demolished, you know, I, would, I would knock that upper tier off right now. We always say that the, the uh, West Stand needs replacing. Why don't we replace the West Stand with the upper tier of the East Stand? Just dismantle it, rebuild it on the other side. That's like one of the, uh, the sort of proposal FIFA would like. We'll send some of the seats to Africa. <laughs> This is a good idea, Ken isn't would it? never have that. He wouldn't even send them water. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> they can't sit down. <laughs> point, don't point the seats at the pitch. And Lloyd6563 off of Twitter has come off, has mentioned a good one. <clears throat> the move that led to Varney's miss against Southampton. That's a beautiful move, that. Very, I think very. that sums Leeds United up perfectly at the moment. It's the fourth and final part of the podcast right now and unfortunately because Football League competition rules dictate that we have to fulfil our fixtures we do have some games coming up uh, we can't avoid them They have. Are they easy games against teams that like us? Obviously, yes um, We have Millwall away another one on the telly We oh, always God. win there Yeah, good old Millwall uh, We've got Crystal Palace at home on the 24th Nothing to fear from their manager no, they're, they're not top of the league and uh, Leicester City, perennial thorn in the side, also at home. The big problem here being it's a Tuesday. Looking forward to these. Mm. Having just taken no points off some shit teams in the last few weeks. Yeah, I know That's you sick, said that. Sick, um, no points off some good teams for a change. <laughs> you said the rules say we have to start with, we have to fulfil our fixtures. Do we have to put a full team out? I think so. Well, we haven't been lately, so. Yeah, <laughs> yeah does nine. Danny Pugh yeah. count? Can we start with nine and bring two on for no one? Element of yeah. surprise. Yeah. Who would we bring on? I mean, the Millwall game, we are kind of struggling because Brown's out. Pierce Dog is out. Obviously, Austin, late fitness test. Touch and go on that one. <laughs> um, Tom Lees has played. He started for the under-21s, but he's still he's technically as blinder than Ellie the Elephant at the moment. I'd love it if he turned out in shades. Big Stevie Wonder style glasses, Tom Lees. <laughs> no, I think he'd look better in Elton John style with big star... Yeah. <laughs> Star-shaped ones. <laughs> but they're still with that miserable face. <laughs> it was great. I don't know if we mentioned when he was... Because um, um, it was during these guys when he had his, his eye problem at Brighton. And message to Brighton, don't poke our players in the eye. Because that twat did it twice. Yeah, when he was having his eye looked at on the side of the he pitch. He it. <laughs> he looked exactly <laughs> like old man Steptoe. He was gurning. He had a bit... He had like a scratchy blonde beard on his face. And he was, it is, I mean, it's just my, for the uh, for the listeners. Yeah, there's no, there's no visual. visual aspect to this podcast. That's do a Google image search for uh, sucking a lemon for bulldog chewing wasp. Old man steptoe. You could arrows me eyes. <laughs> I mean, he's a young man. I have to say, this chat is more fun than looking at the Millwall Palace and Leicester games. Well, Andy Keogh from Millwall, get your money on now. He's made 14 games, four goals. He's due one. He's playing us. Just like to say, he's very good on Football Manager 13 mm. for these lot. So beware. Top scorer in the division, actually. And I think top average rating. So Better than Charlie Austin. Mm. God, what must he be worth? So just, just beware is all I'm saying. Just beware. Okay. I'm interested to see what Warnock does in this game. Because having tried a silly formation, I think it's about time he's he's going to throw his silly selection and he's going to put Les Dawson in and bring back Polianas and Thompsoners and put them in and it's going to be end up three at the back seven in midfield not up front not up front yeah. we've, been playing, be a, we've been playing that anyway yeah. what what would we have once a, a free roll free uh, roll yeah. free roll the free roll thing you'll try that well we we've got to do something cuz this lot I know it's Millwall and they're technically crap but they've won three, drawn three in the last six, scored 15 in six games, Ooh. conceded seven. Can so. I just predict right now that um, following the inevitable defeat to Millwall all over Twitter and Facebook and similar forums, it's going to be the cry for, right, that's it, chuck the kids in against Palace, yep. put in the kids, chuck the kids in. They've got passion, passion for the shirt, because, I mean, kids have got passion for anything with tits and a heartbeat at that I mean, it's throwing a... 17-year-old kid in and expecting to make mature decisions. If I was... Is he called Ian Holloway? I'm so used to just calling him Ollie. Yes, Ian Holloway. If your I was mate, your Ian, mate Ollie, yeah. Ian Holloway bringing uh, Crystal Palace to Elland Road and knowing in advance that Warnock's going to put the kids in, I'd just pack the away end full of dolly birds mm. uh, just as a distraction because no, no teenage boy is going to be able to concentrate on the, on the match if they've got all these young lasses in Barcelona kits in the away end. Interesting. Interesting. We'll see if that happens anyway. Yeah. 
Holloway's the kind of maverick manager who might try that kind of thing. He's not going to have uh, Rahubka on his side this time, though, is he? No, this is true. Well, he's got uh, their keeper's dead good. I've put Spironi. He's the uh, the Becchio of goalkeeping. He wears, he wears the tracky bottoms, doesn't he? he yeah, likes his tracky bottoms. Well, just looking at Millwall's record, a lower there. division Argentinian. Millwall's last six: one three drawn, three lost none. Looking at Palace. One five drawn, one lost, none. Oh shit! Scored twelve, conceded three, and they got. Um, we struggled against Charlie Austin. They got the Glen, the Glen, um, fucking hell, Murray. As, uh, but, but useful, useful on Football Manager, by the way. Useful in can... never mind Football Manager. <laughs> thirteen games, thirteen goals in real life. Wilf, how about Wilfred Zahar? It's been a while since the England squad's had a Wilfred. He's in quick. It. I hope Kisnarbo's playing. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll counter his pace. We'll play Eddie White centre back. Because Norbo can go left back. Um, we'll put um, Sam Byram up front. And then to counteract Murray, um, Becchio can play centre back alongside. If it's not working uh, at half time, we can just throw Pewey on. Pewey. Get in there, Pewey. <laughs> Get, Get involved. Them. Get involved. Rash. Rash. Pewey, where you're playing, he's everywhere. Just get out there. <laughs> Do you think we've grown tired and weary and cynical of uh, Neil Warnock and Leeds United? We did a kind of uh, a How's It Going podcast, didn't we? Yeah. Ago? And we also we liked him. We all hate him now, don't we? <laughs> ah, we it's, reserve the right to be fickle. It's yeah. a style, though, that when you're not picking up points, it's very, very difficult to and take. And when you're losing 6-1, it's yeah. especially... Because uh, as Oddie said, we don't get any... Heavy beatings anymore. Well, something no, that's don't. not, I don't, I don't think, has been used against him quite enough. I mean, I know he's technically our club's manager. Um, but <laughs> not only the, technically, but actually as well. But the whole um, after Nottingham Forest thing was like, I told Nigel Clough, he'll never see a Leeds team play that badly ever again. I hope Nigel Clough has been watching Leeds games. <laughs> well, the thing is, it's against Burnley. They were passing it on the floor. We were trying to pass it about 20 feet in the air, yeah. which doesn't really help you. I mean, at Watford, we just didn't bother passing it. Well, the Leicester game on a Tuesday, that's got the scope for going horribly wrong. Ah, uh, fancy us against Leicester, because they've got the imposter Schmeichel in goal. Well, we're, well, having chucked all the kids in against Palace, what are we going to do against Leicester? Get all the old ones back in. Yeah. Oldest squad we can put out. <laughs> Get Solomon the kids out. Bay at left back. Get the kids out. <laughs> we need experienced players. <laughs> but in, in that case, if I was then... Uh, Nigel Pearson bringing my Leicester City side to Elland Road, knowing in advance that Neil Warnock was going to take all the kids out and put the experienced heads in. I would just fill the away section with uh, pints of real ale, tankards maybe even, because none of our old old heads would be able to concentrate on the on the pitch if the West Stand Up is full of tankards. Again, Nigel Pearson, he's a maverick manager. He, he likes to try these things. Warnock will just be annoyed he didn't think of it first. They've got a German striker who's called Jeffrey Schlup. I like that. I like that as well. Sounds like a derogatory term for someone, a schlup. So I notice we've disappeared down into the realms of the surreal, probably because reality itself is probably a little bit too hard to think about at the minute. Do you fancy us to take any points out of these games? I think we'll have a dour draw with Leicester. They don't score many. Uh, Scored six, conceded seven in the last six games. So draw with them. We'll lose the first two. Three points would be an absolute miracle. However... On it, in its we'll favour, the Leeds United game coming on the, uh, sorry, the Leicester City game, Leeds playing in all three of these, um, <laughs> the Leicester City match coming on the 27th of November um, could be the takeover celebration, so result insignificant. Indeed, yeah, because well, the, the whole club's going to get a lift, isn't it, and it's Groundhog Day. Do you think the whole club will have a lift, or is everyone just going to go, well, finally, uh, now do something? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Uh, three losses I'm going to Spend play. some money. <laughs> Well, I think we'll get one point from nine. Oddie thinks no points from no nine. Points. Michael. But I want a win for Palace because it's you my want, birthday. You want Palace to win? No, I want birth. a win. Oh, a win against Palace. I want Palace. us to win against Palace. I, I, I pr- want us to win in all of them. But yeah. um, <laughs> I think we will probably get a draw from one of them. I think six points from nine. Where are we going to get two wins? I have no idea. We might get a stroke of luck. I mean, like an early sending off in one of them might help us. Michael Brown gets it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I assume it would be one of our players. Let's move on to the Ken Bates Villain of the Fortnight Award. This is the fortnightly award that we give to somebody who has contributed to our ongoing misery, and it is misery at the moment, as Leeds United fans. Uh, Ken Bates, what's he getting nominated for? Selling the future profits from everything. Okay, yeah. that's Ken's nomination. Who else? Um, would, would you like to nominate the next gentleman yourself? I don't know. Who, who is it? Oh, I wish I could disassociate myself from all this. I don't know. Is it Dennis Wise? 
Nor it's his sidekick, Gus Poye. Um, yeah, he was doing a bit of a Veruca Salt impression, wasn't he? Uh, what were you doing an impression of? Was that your impression of Gus Poye doing an impression of Veruca Salt? Indeed, yeah. His, uh, his, um, his scream and scream until I'm sick, if I don't get my own way type uh, hissy fit after the Brighton game. I was glad he uh, justified my decision to include him in the villa- as a villain in the, the back of the latest mag. Well done, Gus. Knew you were a prick. <laughs> um, the bloke who gave us the... Um, well, gave two separate sellers, two separate dodgy tenors. Thanks for those. Do we know like about? Two mentions, because someone's put be, the yeah. bloke and someone's put the... Do we know that he only... Have, have we checked all the other tenors? No, we haven't. I suppose the bank will let us know, won't they? I'd like to nominate somebody who phoned me at three o'clock on Saturday during the two-minute silence... <laughs> oh, that's unfortunate. Fortunately, I was outside the ground, wasn't inside the ground, but you know who you are. So he's nominated. He's nominated. Just having had to speak about Terry Venables earlier. Yeah. 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 You're throwing him in. Good point. Yeah. Is that is that relevant to the last fortnight? We've just yeah, been we've talking just about, talked about him. About him. Uh, yeah, he kind of brought the mood down, didn't he? Okay. Yeah. Venables. Yeah. Is that all our nominations for this one then? I think so. Was anyone responsible for the injury to Austin? No, it didn't. The Leeds United himself. groundsman. Is that a bit harsh? I'd say that's harsh, harsh yeah. Okay. I think Austin did it to himself just maybe as a test of his own strength. Oh, Paddy Kenny for losing the use of his legs during the Watford game. He just didn't really dive for any of their shots from the edge of the box. He just he just sort of tumbled to one side. He's a bit of an outsider in this one, isn't he? Yeah, too many of those goals were too similar for, uh, for Patrick to get off entirely without criticism from that game. Plus there were six of them. It just, it just seemed like he'd given up. It was like he'd always thought, ah, but it, we're losing anyway. Well, so. Oddie spotted uh, Lee's having a go at him after, was it the sixth or the fifth that he... Fifth, I think. He could be started having a... I don't think I was there still for the sixth. I think, <laughs> I'd, I think oh, I'd only left by then. Part-timer. Stayed right to the end. We had a good yeah. old boo. Boo-hoo. Um, should we wrap up the nominations there? Because we're yeah. getting into outside candidates. So we've got Ken Bates for mortgage and everything that he can bloody well mortgage. Gus Poyer for his little hissy fit. The fella passing dodgy tenors, buying our fanzine. We have the person, who shall remain nameless, for phoning you, Oddie, during the two-minute silence. And Terry Venables for forcing us to bring him up. And Paddy Kenny for not being very good on Saturday. And the winner is... I think it's the dodgy tenors guy. Dodgy tenors. Because, I mean, I've got a colour printer. I'm sure I could do double-sided if I... I don't show off showing everybody what I've done... Picture of the Queen. You've got to give us print off colour pictures and, and give them to the sellers. Make them at least interesting, perhaps a postcard or, I'd, you know, a rural scene. I'd give it to him as well, and I will say that it was Terry Venables who gave them to him in the first place. And not Mickey Thomas. <laughs> we, we have a winner. Fantastic. Well done. Uh, on to the any other business section of the pod. Uh, we've received some correspondence, uh, so let's uh, read these. Let's not do it in an accent. We've um, had a message on Facebook from Kieran Coogan. Uh, his first visit to Ellen Road yesterday, well, last lad. Saturday. <laughs> was that was that after the Watford game he sent this? Yeah. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> bastards. So, my, we're, we're sorry, Kieran. Yeah. Sorry. And my first issue of the square ball, The Vile Animal. Great read. Bought the mag outside the East Stand, which will have been uh, Rob, our poster boy, the square ball. <laughs> my dad and bro were sick listening to me saying, I have to get the square ball. Loved the trip, but the result was terrible. Gives a wee shout on the next podcast. Cheers, keep up the good work. Well, thank you, thank you, Kieran. This Thanks is that much. we shout. Yeah, sorry about we. The sorry, <laughs> sorry about the fog. We. Uh, can someone read the email from James Moffat? He, uh, this is correspondence from the colonies. Michael, James Moffat writes: A friend of mine from Leeds made me several of your issues, and as I'm a long-time Leeds fan, in a place where breaking news is hard to come by, I hope he's not using our back issues for breaking news. <laughs> <laughs> it's mainly uh, inappropriate jokes. Um, I read them with great interest. My compliments on the quality and wit of your magazine, which is written by someone else, not us, I will, I will say. Uh, excellent stuff. Much better than the drivel that passes for soccer, uh, football writing that I'm used to in these parts. Keep up the good work. And that's James Moffat in Onalaska, Texas, in the United States of America, out there in the colonies. It's a confusing name. Onalaska. Yeah, Alaska's right up the top. Mm. And like Texas is down near the bottom. On Newcastle, Cornwall, or something. <laughs> and I have a... a a quick thank you to John Paul Waddington, who uh, for some reason put me on a panel with people who technically knew what they were talking about, about problems with... We were there to come up with a blueprint to solve modern football at uh, an event at the um, National Football Museum. Um, and uh, we didn't. Uh, most people... Why didn't uh, you? <laughs> um, 
there was. Uh, why didn't you solve it, Moscow? Why didn't you? What do you do? Why didn't you write them? A, why didn't you give them a ring? Yeah, football. Run <laughs> your ring set blatter. I told you we should have given this award to Liz, Liz Green two weeks ago, and you wouldn't have it. Um, but she might as well have been there. There was a lot because there was Amanda Jacks, who was the uh, Football Sports Federation Fair Cop, was there. And uh, despite being very fair and a cop, she's not really a cop, but there was a yeah, there was a lot of discussion uh, mainly at her about problems with uh, modern football that the FSF. Uh, doing their best to sort out and so um but it was a good night it was interesting there was a lot of um there was a lot of northwesterners there with it being in manchester so it was it was a, a big red and blue from uh both uh cities vibe um but oh they're an angry bunch and actually it was it was quite interesting to see uh sort of how far ahead a lot of leeds fans are in our practical solutions to our anger because they're trying to this is, the problem they have trying to organise a, a boycott and all this that's seventeen thousand people turning up to Leeds games. We're doing it. If you if you want to know how a bo- what a boycott looks like, have a look at Leeds' attendances and ask to all the people who say not another penny till Bates is gone. So it was interesting. It was um, good to meet. There was a stand against modern football fanzine guys were there and I got a copy of that, which um, I haven't read it yet, but it looks good. So thanks to John Paul for uh, for getting me involved in all that. Excellent. And while we're talking about fanzines, uh, we've got some issue threes left. You can buy them along with the new issue. That's number four. If anybody's going to the Palace game at all, if you're going, buy a fanzine. <laughs> Any early indications about the content of this fine publication? So, the, there are a few blips on the radar. I'm getting the uh, the vibes in. Um, Eamon Dalton, uh, better known as Disco Box. Um, House and his now. Has, uh, uh, he's done an article about Kevin Blackwell um, by... Kevin Blackwell. Yeah, Eamon's not actually involved in it. It's like the uh, McSheffrey Diaries that I didn't write. It's um, Kevin Blackwell interviewing himself. And it's, it's if you want to know whether Kevin considers himself a, a modern day Jesus, it, it's the interview to read. There's also, we've got a, a John Howe, uh, better known as the author of 100 Greatest Leeds United Players, which um, is out now, has written a poem. Uh, yes, and we're going to print it because we we welcome... Poetry. There's nothing wrong with poetry as long not as it's all, about Leeds all. United. It's not um, it's not uh, a rewriting of the wasteland or anything like that. And what else is there? There's uh, that um, Wayne guy that we used to know um, from Newcastle. Is uh, he's doing something vaguely arty? So there's going to be arts, poetry, and any crafts. Maybe some folk singing. Yeah, we could we could put a, a, a cassette tape of, of folk songs on the cover. We could. Yes. Since people are only going to pay fake tennis for it anyway, we'll do what we want. Anyway, that'll be out on the 24th uh, for the Palace game. You can buy that in person at the corners of Ellen Road at home matches and online at any time via www.thesquareball.net. And that wraps up this podcast. Let's hope that when we return in a fortnight, we'll have something a bit cheerier to talk about. I thought you were going to say, let's hope we come back in a fortnight at all. <laughs> yes. Uh, you can email us, podcast at thesquareball.net. You can tweet at thesquareball. Find us on Facebook as well. That's facebook.com forward slash thesquareball. Uh, we'll be back in the week of the 28th of November. That's ahead of, oh God, the Huddersfield I've just game. just seen that written down and I already feel depressed. Yeah. The day after the Palace game, four days before the Huddersfield game. Super. Uh, thanks for listening. Goodbye from me and Michael. Goodbye. And Moscow. Goodbye. And Oddie. Goodbye. Thanks for listening as always. We'll speak to you soon. Bye-bye. The Square Ball Podcast, supported by thegeldedend.com. Well, howdy. <laughs> <laughs> friend of mine from Leeds, ma'am. Several issues. <laughs> As I'm a lifelong Leeds fan, breaking news is hard to come by here out in Texas. I read them with great interest. My compliments <laughs> on a quality and witty yo magazine, brothers. <laughs> this truly be excellent stuff. <laughs> Much betting in the drivel. What does done don't pass for soccer down here? <laughs> My baby done brought me some magazine. <laughs> oh Lord, I was loving that. I say I read them, sir, but I ain't too good at the old letters. <laughs> I never went me to no school. I'm gonna be sick. I think someone else would better read these two. <laughs> 
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.